bamboo or like the biodegradable faux plastic, which are so much better. The bamboo straws are so good, actually. They're amazing. Like game changer. So good. We, we should still ride or die. Silicone. That's the uh, silicone is, is excellent. I will I will grant that too. My coffee dispenser also has the silicone ones, which are great. I'm just killing the planet by bringing full on single use plastic cup, baby. No, I know. To recycle. <laughs> See, there you go. That that's my thing. It's like. I recycle really. We have even at my office, and they started a company started doing this for home use now too. So I signed up for it. We have a special recycling bin in my office that will is for um, like single use snack wrappers. Those like the glossy like uh-huh. metallicy plastic that like is normally impossible to recycle. Like you really can't uh-huh. do anything with it. There is a company that has figured out how to recycle them and they will send you a box for your office and then you just collect them. So we just have a a bin like on the counter in the kitchen next to like the other recycling bins and stuff. It's great. What's it called? Let's, let's pretend they sponsor us and tell people to be a friend of the earth. (laughs) TerraCycle is the company. And they also do um, they also do recycling for contact lens packaging. We also have one of those in my office. Ooh, wow! Um, yeah, and they do. They used to have a deal with Nordstrom or somebody where they would recycle. Um, you could bring them like cosmetic skincare containers that are also often very hard to recycle. Ah, wow! They're very smart. I'm a big fan. So welcome to Willits Pod. This is Jesse from the internet. <laughs> Willits Pod presented by TerraCycle. Uh, I already I blew the initial non-ad read. Um, sorry about that to the folks at TerraCycle. Uh, <laughs> friendship ended with Arizona iced tea. Not at all. Never. Uh, I just friendship never ended with Arizona. Yeah. No, I just happen to be enjoying a smoothie today as we start the show, and Puffin has come along and is excited about it. Great from the internet. Uh, You are excited about TerraCycle. Anything else uh, (laughs) peaking your fancy on this fine afternoon? Ah, I don't know. Trying to think. It's uh, it's been a weird, weird sports stretch. It's been a weird like uh, life, universe, human existence stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, my kitty has shown up here. Addie from the internet is here, uh, having survived some cat drama. Oh my god! Earlier today, I like literally uh, don't how want are you to dwell doing? on it, but like, I did not. I did not lose the cat. The cat was never lost. I just didn't know where she was, and it was the worst ten minutes of my life no. so far. So my uh, our my former family dog, who has now has now passed on. To uh, the great farm upstate, he he looked, he was the best dog. He was so quiet and so chill and so well trained. And when he was a puppy, like within the first six months or so, probably that we had him, maybe the first year he was still pretty little. 
we like couldn't find him one night and it was like he was just here yeah and like we're like what the, like where the hell did the dog go and so my dad's like driving around the neighborhood calling for him <sighs> and like trying to find him and we're like where did he like how did he get out and he never ran off so we were like this is so weird um and then all of a sudden my mom hears this like very faint whine uh, turns out the dog had gone into the closet in the entryway, like the coat closet, and had just been sitting there chilling, like right. unconcerned, and only started, like only made a noise when it had been like long enough that he was like, no, okay, I really do want to come out now. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, dude. I mean, she was, she was under a little piece of furniture. I swear to God, I looked Always. under it. She wasn't there the first time I looked. You know, my boyfriend looked again later after we had panicked and freaked out. And and it was my Started fault. I was watching her. Literally, I'm like praying. We're fighting. I'm crying, you know, like freaking <laughs> out. And then he right. looks under there and he's like, oh, she's right here. I'm like, I swear <laughs> to God, I just looked there. Like, I feel like she was like sneaking yeah. around behind our back. Like, totally, totally probably. It was terrible. Was. Yeah. It was terrible. And I've always I've always been a kind of like, you know, don't really feel like I want kids. I got to say my biggest takeaway is I can never have children. Like to experience <laughs> what I experienced this morning with my own human child. I mean, I would die. I I barely survived today. I've <laughs> confirmed. Uh I took Sean and Alice to a park. This is before the pandemic and they there was still a stroller involved, so um, but Sean was certainly old enough to walk because, you know, both kids are playing It was a pretty big playground, but it also had, uh, just open access to the street. Um, a kid could wander off and Sean's never been that kind of kid. So it was not something that I was really worrying about, but after a, a while, um, I noticed it was like, you know, haven't seen Sean for a little bit as I've been playing with Alice over here by the sprinkler. Um, and we start looking for him and calling out for him and, uh, getting more and more and more frantic. And somebody's like, do you need to call the, the police? Um, uh, and we're starting to think about actually calling the police when Alice hears out of the bushes, this giggling sound. No, not a giggle. Oh, not a giggle. No, so I've, Yeah. He was fine the whole time. He's not a wander-off right. kid, but yeah, he got <laughs> he us. It was hysterical, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. and Stella, Stella's not a wander-off cat. Like this is part of. She's not a cat that dashes for the door. She's not a. But I felt insane. The apartment isn't that big. I'm like, she has to be here. Like, right. you're like, oh, there's so only so many places she could go. <laughs> Jesse, I'm literally like, yeah. Can I call the police? Like, like, what do I do? Like. <laughs> Oh my Nothing, god. Guess guess who's not actually showing up for that is the police. I right. know. A hundred percent. Well, speaking of lost kittens, Checo <laughs> Perez might be retiring. <laughs> How's that for a transition? Ten of ten. No notes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god.
Now, what is this? Because you sent a, a message to the group chat, and uh, I clicked on it, and it said this tweet has been deleted. Okay, so the tweet was a screenshot from Reddit of someone saying that uh, – they had had a dinner with a formerly kind of high up motorsports guy who had worked with Checo. Um, and I don't know why the tweet has been deleted. I agree we have to take all of this with a major grain of salt. But after the morning I had, I will take a little bit of Reddit Formula One <laughs> gossip from the universe. And allegedly... This guy told this anonymous Reddit poster that uh, Checo plans to retire after the Mexican Grand Prix, which is not too far away. Obviously, it's his home Grand Prix. And I will just say, again, I know we have to take all of this with a million grains of salt, but we sat on this podcast and talked about other various Red Bull drama that we took with a million grains of salt. And Nick DeVries has been fired. And Daniel <laughs> is, although not currently driving in the AlphaTauri, like he is the AlphaTauri driver and confirmed for next year. And so I just will never put Red Bull past what feels and, – and, and, and I just have to say this feels like vibes-wise correct to me. Like the way that he has raced over the last few weeks is – it's been – hard to watch actually like it's been very bad so well, that's, and that's what it was, the most believable part of it to me is that the the like the patient zero like the real source of all of this is red bull being like yeah no you're fired right and him being like well fuck you then like that is that is that is the the 100 thing that would make me believe it because that just seems so yeah they would do that like why not <laughs> so here's what big, i think is oh go ahead jesse i'm a big fan of a fuck you i quit yeah 100 100 take your yeah. toys and, take your toys and your sponsorship money and go home and go home mm-hmm. go home so here's what i think is interesting there's the question so okay so the rumor was that chuckle will retire and there's a few factors here. One being there aren't really other like I like it kind of has to be a quote unquote retirement, right? Because there aren't really other open seats on the grid. Um, there's a there's a right. possible seat at Williams, which is your that that's not gonna be his seat. And there's a possible seat at Aston Martin, given that. Mr. Lance Stroll's seat might not feel quite as secure. Yeah. And we should return to that conversation. But, you know, where does he go? Like, where right. where is he going? The other piece of the puzzle to me is that Red Bull has been saying that they want there to be a seat for Liam Lawson next year. And I, I feel like the most interesting conspiracy theory here which I, I genuinely don't think would ever happen, but it's a fun thing to consider. Imagine if fucking Liam Lawson gets the Red Bull seat and they keep Danny at AlphaTauri. <laughs> well, and so this is the thing. That feels very Red Bull to an extent because Red it, Bull yeah. loves, like, remember what they did with 
Galaxy. They love to bring these guys up who it's like a whole, to an ex- a large extent, it's like a whole nother level of pressure and, and competition. Give them seven seconds and they'll be like, fuck you, you're out. So I can yeah. absolutely see them thinking like, well, let's see what we have with Liam Lawson and see how he does. And if he doesn't do well, then we just swap him and Danny. Yeah. And it's like, sure, yeah. whatever, it's fine. I mean, the irony is Liam Lawson has made a better case this year that he deserves to get promoted than Danny has. He, uh, yeah, I mean, he, before he lo- uh, effectively lost his spot again, he did remarkably well. To kill Oscar Piastri, thank you, my king. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's, as much as it's kind of stupid, it's also like, it's very Red Bull logic and there yeah. is some sort of defensibility to it. It's kind of like the thing where like, you've got a prospect that's like maybe ready and maybe not. So you sign some veteran guy who like will be fine. But also like you sent him to a minor league deal and it's like, it was a camp invite and it's like, yeah, okay, we'll see how it happens. And if if the prospect falls on their face, it's sort of no harm, no foul. Like you've got the other guy in your back pocket. Right. Well, right. And and then, I mean, obviously the case for Danny is we, – we talked about this when he actually came to AlphaTauri. Like clearly he is the only person that can have a good relationship with Max while he's his teammate. And obviously he left because he didn't want to be Max's number two. And now right. I think he's in a totally different mindset. Like he's – Oh, one hundred. He would be happy to do it. I think he would be thrilled to do it. And I think Red Bull wants someone who will just get in the car, let Max win. They want a Valtteri Botas to their Lewis Hamilton, who will just qualify second every time, who knows how to drive the car, who won't really right. challenge Max. And I, I think that, I think that Danny could do that. I think it would be way more interesting to see what Liam Lawson can, like, really fucking do in a car that can, I don't know, drive. (laughs) And, you know, maybe he can be that. I think that there's also, you know, there's a case to be made for Danny to stay at AlphaTauri and, and, you know, be the veteran voice there if they're using that as a training ground for, for their new drivers. And that brings me to my hot take for Checo. He can retire and then become, you know, the director of whatever title you want to give him for a couple of years, building up the Andretti team, and then come back and race for them in a couple of years when that becomes a a thing. That's a good point. Interesting. (laughs) Right, because he's not – like the thing I think about about Checo is like – I mean, I think it'll be a retirement in the way that it was a Danny Rick retirement. Like it – it's just like clearly this man's career is not over, but he is talented enough and mature enough and has enough of a legacy already in the sport that you don't want it to be like, you know, Checo is fired. It's like Checo chose of his own accord to take a to, – to retire. I mean, I would love to see the – I would love to see the Checo revenge season in an Andretti car. <laughs> Right, it'd be funny. The the my biggest my biggest question with that is just that the Andretti thing is really actually pretty up in the air right now. It 
it at, you know, you're talking a couple of years at the soonest and it sounds like a lot of the existing teams are really digging their heels in and are determined that they don't want an 11th team on the grid. Yeah. So that would be like, it's, it's a gamble. If you're betting on that being an option. That's, I don't even think he's betting on a major gamble. I think it's just like probably in the back of his mind that like he that it could give him possibility down the line. Like I absolutely think they said, Checo, you have the best car on the grid. Max is winning by 30 fucking seconds and you cannot finish the race. You cannot get into Q3. You are no longer going to work for us. So we'll let you get to the Mexico Grand Prix and then we're done. And then I think it's like Checo starts to go, okay, like what are the other choices here? And the idea of the 11th team in general, I think is an interesting, like it just creates an interesting element for anyone who's sort of hanging around, maybe has a seat, maybe won't. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. A lot of that, um, and a lot of that sort of silly season dialogue brings me, we have other F1 topics to come back to, but I want to go to my NFL hot take. And I, I kept oh, Addy yeah, waiting with it. this because um, I told you I have a hot Jets QB take and you said, please tell me it's are the Jets better without Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. It is not that. Um, it is. I, I want you guys to, the Jets have never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. Not once, ever. I mean, they have probably in the preseason at some point. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. (laughs) What? Not once. Not once. Never? That is Zero times ever. In their whole history? (laughs) Not once. (laughs) That is just... That's the best Jets fun fact of all time, man. Uh, yeah, 1973, it was uh, 24-23 Eagles. Um, then they played in 77, and it was 27 nothing, and that was much more of a sign of thing. Well, you know. I'm a- all right, so 1973, Eagles 24, Jets 23. 1977, Eagles 27, Jets 0. 1978, Eagles 17, Jets 9. 1987, so they didn't play for nine years. Eagles 38, Jets 27. 1993, Eagles 35, Jets 30. 1996, Eagles 21, Jets 20. 2003, Eagles 24, Jets 17. 2007, Eagles 16, Jets 9. 2011, Eagles 45, Jets 19. 2015, Eagles 24, Jets 17 again. 2019, Eagles 31, Jets 6, and their most recent meeting, 2021, Eagles 33, Jets 18. That's That's uh, incredible. So what's your take? What's your take? Uh, So the Jets will be 0-6. I mean, not Owens. The Jets will be two and four. The Eagles I'm so, will be I was gonna six say, and I'm sorry. You don't remember Zach Wilson's miraculous comeback after Aaron Rodgers snapped his Achilles because I won't let anyone forget it. I'm just going to say, let's give the Eagles the W this week. The Jets will be two and four. 
the Jets have a pretty good defense. Tell me if you think that they can their defense can keep them in the game against these teams. The Giants? I mean. <laughs> the Chargers? Probably not. The Chargers are the Chargers. The Raiders, I think they could maybe keep it above water. Mm -hmm. The Bills. Yeah. No. No. Despite having done it before at Buffalo, no. Yeah, no. The Dolphins, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) The Atlanta Falcons. Yes. Yeah. It's the Falcons. There's 49ers over there. Uh, The Houston Texans. Maybe. Mm, yeah. That's a, that's sort of 50 It's December. Maybe CJ Stroud's starting to fade a little bit as a rookie. Who knows? Yeah. Dolphins. By the way, for everyone invested in Kirk Cousins as my fantasy quarterback, I have dropped him in favor of CJ Stroud. So. <laughs> oh, good move. <laughs> Bold. I love it. I love it. All right. We'll skip past the Dolphins. And here's how they finish. Commanders? Yeah. They can hang on. Yeah, they can hang on with the Commanders. Browns? Yeah, and Patriots. Yes. Here's the thing: the Jets can beat the the Jets have the thing where they second time they play the Pats in the season they can pull it off. They did it in 2016 with Ryan Fitzpatrick against Tom Brady. They got the cheeks. Yeah, they are awful. That's that is two games you can win against the Patriots. They've already won one. So. We can get them to, with, you know, competent quarterback play, nine wins, maybe ten. Let's get the Jets their competent quarterback, or at least their quarterback who can do something. And it's not Kirk Cousins. Um, The Jets should trade Aaron Rodgers for Daniel Jones. Their cap hits are very similar. You can tell Aaron Rodgers you can come back, hand off to Saquon next year, hit some, you know, decent targets that we've got. You'll still be in New York. You'll still be able to live the life. You'll be free from the universe of the Jets. (sighs) Daniel Jones is perfectly cromulent. Um, I think that both floor and ceiling, that is what he is. Like... There's no reason he can't Jimmy Garoppolo this version of the Jets to playoffs either this year or in future years. I think it makes sense for both teams. Is Daniel Jones that much better than Zach Wilson? No. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you have a kind of... I'm not going to call Zach Wilson perfectly cromulent, but I'm going to say he's yeah, we, he's Zach Wilson. We know what he is. Is that that different than Daniel Jones? <laughs> Daniel Jones has been – has beaten Kirk Cousins in a playoff game. For, <laughs> I, I, I mean <laughs> – Within this calendar year. I guess that's true, huh? Like, I mean, the Giants offensive line has been garbage for years. And particularly since uh, this is more sporty talk than, you know, but like I've actually seen the Giants play, saw the play in person. 
get their asses handed to them by the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and then Andrew Thomas gets hurt. Evan Neal's out here saying like people have flipped. He's, he's doing the old flipping burgers routine. They are making Daniel Jones look worse than he is. Like if you could block for him, maybe a little bit and just give him easy throws to make. Um, I think the, and then the other part of this is for the giants here out from under uh, the albatross of Daniel Jones's stupid ass contract. Um, and you can get closer in your battle with the, uh, the Patriots for the, uh, the greatest tank battle for Caleb Williams. And I think that might be Bill Belichick's play here, watching like his smug little grin over the past couple of weeks as the Patriots have lost by like, a combined 88 points or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> I will say, I think your point, I, I definitely take your point that the, the Giants are making Dan Jones look worse than he actually is, whereas I, I genuinely believe that the Jets are making Zach Wilson look better than he is. <laughs> <laughs> like the Jets' defense is making Zach Wilson look better than he is. So imagine the Jets' defense making Daniel Jones look a little bit better than he is. Here's the thing for me: this, it's not gonna happen. You've got a level. You've got a level of reason here that I will not deny. But I just believe the universe wants Zach Wilson with that ball in his hands. For the New York goddamn Jets, I think it is his calling in life. I think that as my fellow you know, Utah brethren. I love to see him in the situation. Like, There's something about Zach Wilson, New York Jet, that is just so... Although I guess in this situation, Zach Wilson, New York Jet remains Zach Wilson, New York Jet backup quarterback to Daniel Jones, which is like kind of perfect in a lot of ways. I will say that I think Zach Wilson is bad in a very Jets way and Daniel Jones is bad in a very Giants way. Mm. <laughs> So it mm, is yeah. it is sort of like spiritually correct that they ended up they, yeah. they are currently where they are. My other question yeah. with Daniel Jones and, and the offensive line situation with the Giants is so last week a lot of the that was on him more than it was on the offensive line. Like if you if you watch back some of the, the more egregiously terrible plays in that game that was not the offensive line. That was him. Like that was poor decision making. It was him sort of not knowing what was going on. Like that was that was on him. So my question is, and I don't particularly know the answer to this. My question is, is that just him and he's some of that a lot of that shit he's going to make regardless of what kind of offensive line he has in front of them or is this like a PTSD like now he's the offensive line is played badly, so now he's playing like an idiot because he doesn't trust them, like symbiotic terribleness thing. <sighs> There's definitely some symbiotic terribleness just organizationally, like right. they are down <laughs> bad. Like going to work at the Giants, like as a giant right now, just it can't be fun. Right. I, I totally agree, but it's like I mean I think on some level, it still might be a fun time to go to work as a Jet. Like, you kind of had a lot of pressure taken off of you. Like, 
hopefully you still have kind of like a slightly fun, funky vibe in the, you know, in the locker room. Like I would rather be a Jet than a Giant right now. Well, and, oh, for sure. And Robert Sala seems fun to play for. 100%. 100%. Like, and I, I said to my, my partner a few times, like, what I like about Robert Sala is that he is, he has not an ounce of toxic positivity in his blood. The no, man yeah. is just so like, this is shit. Everything sucks. Like, in a way that I'm like, love that. That's a good vibe, actually. <laughs> It, I mean, it's just, it's a very organic defense, former defensive coordinator <laughs> vibe <laughs> where it's just like, I feel like it's like the offensive coordinators and like the wide receivers coaches and stuff that love to get that like grind set toxic positivity bullshit where it's like the defensive side is like, no, fuck you. That was bad. Like <laughs> they're very, and I also have to feel like a certain amount of that with, with Salah is that he like the the bar for his coaching career like as defensive coordinator and stuff was like set pretty high like he know he knows what a good team looks like and then he sh- he shows up with the jets and is like what the fuck is this shit <laughs> there are i did not finish hard knocks after Roger snapped his Achilles. I was like, I don't have any desire to like go back and finish this experience. Like, it's no longer entertaining. It is like no longer relevant. It's no longer fun to like watch these like sweet young boys be so excited to play football <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers. But there are some amazing moments in Hard Knocks of 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 Salah being like, "Fuck, like this sucks so much," and Aaron Rodgers being like. No, no, we gotta change the perspective. We gotta change the belief. We gotta manifest the success. Like it's such an amazing pairing. It's so fucking funny to see the two of them interact. And I and that's part of why I think Aaron, jo- Aaron oh Rodgers should stay with the Jets. Like, just make Aaron Rodgers like the offensive coordinator or something. Let him, <laughs> let him just like be a part of this team. Let him like run Salah's like zodiac sign and like manifest their success. Like. Please <laughs> take the coaching staff in a darkness retreat. Like whatever. Uh, well, that's the other thing. He won't leave because he's besties with um Hackett. What's his name? Isn't that uh, that's their jet, the Jets' offensive yeah. coordinator? Yeah, 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 yeah. He should run the zodiac signs. And and Addy, that gives us a good segue because you have done that for baseball, and I uh, let you take that away for what we're doing for our ALCS preview here. Okay, so, well, we're kind of doing championship series preview. I, I started and I couldn't stop. Um, so we'll start with the AOCS. Um, I didn't do full – I didn't do um, full birth charts for Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, but just to set the tone, we're going to go through the birth – we're going to go through the big three for our existing teams here, which as I ran them really gave me some thoughts and feelings. Um Rising signs, we're going to take with a grain of salt here because other than the Diamondbacks, we have no like specific sign. And I have absolutely no idea how CoStar does this, but they kind of offer you a rising sign that I guess is an estimate of some (laughs) sort if you don't put in a birth time. But just for starters, we'll just begin with, you know, our two former Mets that are going to be part of this ALCS. Max Scherzer... Proves astrology real by being a Leo. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. As a Leo myself, um, I am certain that he has 
a similar placement that I do of like an I have an Aries moon. He's got to have some Aries in that chart because he has the Leo energy, but there's another level of psycho that I'm sure would manifest in his chart. Justin Verlander is a Pisces. Um, Pisces men. Pisces men. I swear to God. My partner is a Pisces man. And I love him very, very much. But he, I agree that they are a, a unicorn. interesting bunch. They yeah. are a very interesting bunch. Because I think that they are – They, I actually think, like, Britt, you're a Scorpio, right? I am. So I feel like Pisces is actually kind of – I think what makes them so funky and interesting and sometimes bonkers town is that they really are kind of the perfect blend of the other water signs of Scorpio and Cancer. They have the Cancer kind of like mask sometimes, kind of like public projection. And on the inside, they're Scorpios. And that makes for a very funky human being that I feel like makes so much sense for Justin Verlander. No, it does. It does. And – yeah, it's just it's a weird it's a weird it's a weird vibe. It is. So anyway, that that's just a little appetizer. Um I didn't go down too far with the two of them because I, I mean, what else do we have to say about Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander on this podcast that hasn't been said before? Um, we know their deal. We know their whole deal. So what I did do is I ran the big 3 for the um Astros, the Rangers, the D-backs, the Phils, and the Braves. We can get to the National League in a moment, but um, what we used here was the date of the founding of these teams. Um, and I, I gave you first, the first game, first game, first, first yeah. actual play. Mm-hmm. Um, so Houston, let's start there. Houston Astros. Again, we're going to take the rising with a grain of salt, but I, I, I'm very curious for your reactions to this. Houston, Aries sun, cancer moon. Cancer rising. Yeah. Most teams will be Aries. One of these is not. Right. Um, two of them are not. So that, two of them are not. Two of them are not. We have two Tauruses. Oh. But yeah, I mean, based, based Later in solely April, on... Right? What'd you say? Later into April than I realized. Okay. Exactly. And so, I mean... A lot of the teams are going to be Aries, which makes sense. They're born – they are born of Aries season. Right. Rearing to go, very fiery, ready to fight, start of the season. We got a, we got a strong Aries start here. Yeah. The double Cancer Moon and Rising, to me, honestly feels a bit soft for them. I think that there's, there's just like – this chart is not capturing – this chart is honestly not really capturing the true fullness of the Houston Astros vibe for me. <laughs> yeah. There needs like, to be like a Gemini in there somewhere. There needs to be a Gemini. And I feel like there's got to be, I'm trying to think, there's got to be like some Virgo or some Cap in there because they're so fucking antisocial. 100%. 100%. There's, there's probably I'm trying to think. Yeah, like those are the ones that really stand out to me is like there's gotta be there there's there's not enough of that energy captured with that much cancer. Yep. 
I mean, I will say that my kind of overall feeling of this chart is I was just like, I have nothing to say. Nothing to, you know, I don't care. I don't care about the Astros. I don't care about the Astros. I wish they weren't in the playoffs. It's so annoying that they're yeah. here. I'm and, like, blech. And I even, like, my, Sean was like, why are you, like, booing the Astros? I was like, because they cheated and got away with it. And he's like, yeah, it's, but it's, like, mostly not the same people. And I was like, yeah. No, I mean, but, yeah, but it is sort of, but the also, thing is, is that it's sort of, like, psychologically, it's the same people. Yeah. It's all the yeah. same fans who are happy about it. Right. Well, I'm like, and it's still Altuve and Bregman who Bregman in particular was still yeah. a little bitch about it. And I think fundamentally it's like, I'm going to boo the Astros forever. Like I just, as an organization, they deserve to be shamed. They cheated. I, I've been doing a lot of research. I'm writing this book and it's got a lot of baseball mm-hmm. history. And I've been, been reading a lot about like how people reacted to the Black Sox and just the absolute like I'm watching Ken Burns baseball and the way he talks about the reaction to that scandal is like it broke the country. Like it like it, it got us a commissioner of Major League Baseball. Like right. the reaction was so people were I mean it was like can we ever trust this sport again? Can we ever like the institution is in crisis. Right. And I'm just like it will never stop bothering me that that was the exact opposite of how the Astros are treated. And I think as an institution, no matter who's there, in in as much as you root for the laundry, you boo for the laundry. Right. The White Sox were irrelevant. Like, not just the not winning a championship for until 2005. Like, they were a non-factor in American League Baseball for the next 30 years after that. The Astros haven't missed a goddamn beat. Hundred percent. Right. And and like I said, I think that even though obviously there's been Turner run the team and you know, I, I love Dusty Baker and like yeah. there's a lot of things that are different about it. Like you said, it's the same fans. It's two of the same like marquee players, one of whom was a particular dick about it. And, and it's like, it's, it's the same ownership. Like there's like the ethos of the organization is the same. And no one, at any, no one at any level in any role ever really came out and said, we fucked up. We fucked up and we're sorry. And it wasn't good for the sport and it wasn't good for our opponents and everyone deserved better. And we're sorry. No one could even yep could even bring themselves to say that much. And you know what? You know what? What really pisses me off is that not even the fucking goddamn commissioner of Major League Baseball would really even say that. Like, Rob no. Manfred himself is yeah. has never really been the one to say, like, this was really bad for our sport. This should right. never happen again. Like, it's just I'm just I'm still not over it. I think it's I think I think the things that were upset that like and I, I say we as sort of like baseball media, you know, baseball fans and, and and you know, the things that we're obsessed with that we think are killing baseball. It's too slow. Blah 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 blah. It's not exciting enough. I think it's a bigger problem. It's 2023 and I and we're like still like nah! but it, it's still bo- 
a problem that the league was like, shrug. And, yeah. and we've talked about this, but also like f- for me personally, there are, there are players who were on that Yankees team in 2017 who are never going to get to go to mm-hmm. the playoffs again. There are guys who are out of the league now. There are guys, I mean, like, that was Greg Bird's last shot, as it turns out. Yeah. And that's, and that's that. And his, it, there is a world, there is a, a reality in which his home runoff, Andrew Miller, in the series prior to that, is like. Propels them to, a, yeah. And it's like a top 15 maybe higher moment in Yankees playoff lore of the recent, of like the current more recent era. Like that is, that is a moment and that's the sort of thing that deserved to be. And, um, you know, similarly, David Robertson throwing like five and a third innings or whatever insane number of innings he threw in the wild card game and that year and stuff like that team was really special. And there were so many great moments and, Teams like that fall on their faces sometimes. That's the way it is. We've seen that this year. Okay. That was a that was a happens, turning point for the whole. Yeah. Uh, it was it, a turning point for the whole Yankees organization. Yeah. That yeah. they were never fun after that again. Because they were chasing that one thing. Right. And right. It's it's a it's it's their white whale now, and it's this thing that's in mm-hmm. everybody's head. And it's and independent of roster construction issues and whatever, yeah. I mean, I do think that is just like a thing that hangs over them still, and that until they can get that monkey off their back, like it is going to sort of eat at them. And it probably doesn't help that then. And this is not a knock on Garrett Cole, but like it adds an extra layer of like the emotional component of it that he left Houston on not great terms. And now he's with this Mm -hmm. team that also has this real beef with Houston. And like, it's just, there's a, there's so much emotional baggage to it. You know, and then you look at guys like David Robertson, who like, who knows how much longer he's going to kick around the league. He's a thousand years old in baseball years. Probably 10, 15 more years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, So, then in addition to that, you've got players who journeymen, prospects, fringe guys who came up as pitchers and got knocked around by the Astros. Mm-hmm. And that was their shot to prove themselves. And they got knocked around by the team that was fucking cheating. Yeah. And maybe they and maybe they never get that shot again. Maybe that was their moment where all of the things lined up that like, this is my shot. And part of what meant that that shot didn't turn out was because the Astros shelled them one day. I hate I think, when you guys make me feel bad for the Yankees, a team that's definitely <laughs> never done anything wrong. Right. All right. So let me let me put let me put two positives on this. One, and it'll come back to this series. Uh, one is half jokingly. Um, how much of that is because we look away from what happened? Because ultimately. A bad thing happened to Aroldis Chapman, and that's always fun. That's um, also true. Also Very true. true. Also true. You know, I do remember that moment being like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> right. so I'm just, I'm he's in this ALCS, and, and <laughs> the other thing that I want to get on here is for the NL 
still DS as we record this. Um, hopefully for, you know, just another few hours. Um, the Phillies and Atlanta. Um, this is good because a bad thing is happening to them. Such <laughs> right. this such an energy it's it's the thing that i like best about philadelphia sports in general and this series specifically is um <laughs> yeah fuck you no dude it's it like great. actually it actually sucks so much that the phillies are the team left standing that i'm like get them go all the way right. hit home runs like it sucks i'm like this is the phillies we're talking about here but like <laughs> I turned, you know, every time I've turned on those games against the Braves, I'm like, kill them! Right. And and I feel vaguely bad because there are lots of individual players on the Braves that I actually really like. Like, the roster itself sure. is largely... It's kind, of, it's kind of not bad. Great. They're they've nice got all those. Kids. They've got all those guys from the A's. Right, right. They, they got for pennies Foster's on the dollar. Home, right. Foster's home for wayward A's. Um and like Acuna is fun as hell. Ozzy Albies, I think, is really fun as well. Uh, personally, I mean, Austin Riley annoys me, but he's very talented. <laughs> I like Spencer Strider. Like I love I Spencer Strider, talented. I think he's funny. I think he's cool. I think the Braves rotation on like a, if I'm gonna who would I want to like hang out with? Braves rotation is high on that list. I love Max Fried. I think Spencer Strider is great. Charlie Morton mm-hmm. is just like a fun old baseball dude at this point. Like that could be, f- they're a good group. Not a nightmare blunt rotation, actually. No. Oh my God. <laughs> like I am, I am on board. Tell Max to bring Lucas Giolito and Jack Flaherty. Unlike I am the previous so generation in. in which only Greg Maddox would be. Right. Right. So Maddox it's might make up for it. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be pretty good. But it is sort of funny that, like, this Braves roster, like, independent of the organization, this Braves roster is very not Bravesy. Like, they're so different than previous recent incarnations of the team, but they just cannot escape their, like, inherent Bravesness. 100%. 100%. I just, it's like boring. I'm over it. I'm tired of it. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't – I'm not interested in it anymore. Okay. So let me just double back to, to give you the Rangers chart we, and then we can come back to our, our NL okay. DSCS. Okay. So I really like the Rangers chart. This confirmed for me – not that I needed it confirmed, but that at this point in the AL, I'm, I'm pulling for the Rangers here. This chart is pretty nice. Aries Sun, as many of them are. Aquarius Moon – Fun, weird, love. And then again, grain of salt, but Leo rising. I like that. It feels right for them. This chart actually kind of, I feel like, does capture the Rangers a little bit, a little bit more fully than the Astros did for me. How so? I feel, I feel like um, the Aquarius moon and the Leo rising. Aquarius and Leo are, are, are opposite signs which can mean that they're both very – it can mean that you don't click or that you click really well in a weird way. So as a Leo, I I, I often either find Aquarius is completely confounding, incapable of communicating with them, or they're like the only people who like lean forward when I'm like, have you guys ever seen a UFO? <laughs> that, yeah, no, that's, a, that's an extremely valid read. So I feel like the Rangers have a little bit of that. It's like, you know – 
like like all of these teams, they've got that bullish Ariesness to them, but they are weirder than the Astros. They're just yeah. like a weird team. Every time I would look at the standings, I'm like, the Rangers? Like, what? No. no. I will say my brother's an Aquarius and we have that very like, have you, have you ever seen a UFO like relationship? Like yeah. if we go out to run errands or something, it inevitably is like, we were, we were in the car going somewhere in the past couple of weeks or a month. And, um, oh my God, we, he's, I said something and it was, I can't even remember what the phrase was now, but it was some very like one of those old, old, like terminology old sort of turns of phrase that like you sort of forget what the original meaning was and he looks at me and goes that's you know where does that even come from and so then like he's driving I'm in the car like googling the like etymology and origin of this phrase and we're like going through it and talking about how weird it is and like riffing off to these other things and I feel like that is a very that whole vibe is very Aquarius yeah. Yeah. And it's just like overall, I think if I met someone with this chart, Aries, Sun, Aquarius, Moon, Leo rising, I think I would be friends with that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would because that's me. It is? See, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, Jesse, that makes oh, – okay, that's actually so beautiful. Jesse, how do you – do you feel any sort of spiritual um, connection with the, the Rangers? Absolutely not. I don't like them one bit. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, so um, I mean, we're we are we're all rooting for them though, right? Like we've all agreed we can't root for the Astros. What are we rooting for? An asteroid? Right. No, I mean, I mean it's I, yeah. I'm all in Let's on the see Rangers. How the NLCS goes. <laughs> yeah, true. True. I'm gonna I mean, be mad either way. Like at this point, I've reached a point with the Astros where it's like, whatever, they're uh, uh, they are, you know, just adding to the tally of like what we're mad at them for. Yeah. Um, seven straight instead of six straight ALCS. Who cares? And they're. Um, the Rangers are a whole different kind of thing where like yeah. they're starting fresh. And I like Bruce Bochy, but is he going to like, what's he going to do to heel turn? Just get him out of the playoffs for me. He's got rings. Dusty doesn't. <laughs> um, also. As far as Met exits go, um, I'm a lot happier with my ex, Justin Verlander, than I am with my ex, Max Scherzer, because Max left here and was like, uh, they're probably not even going to compete in 24, and that's why I like... And he sowed all of this like discord that we had to deal with when... it obviously the Mets are going to spend money this off season and like try to win. Steve Cohen is their owner. Don't be fucking ridiculous. I mean, um, in whereas Prentice, Justin Verlander, I, I remain convinced that yeah. that's what the front office told him. So sure. Sure. But also he's smart enough to like, know that he didn't have to torch it and like, okay, let's just go but back to Justin we- Verlander left here and, and was like, he his thing the other day in the champagne celebration where it was like, hey, guys, yeah, I was I was in New York for a while on this wild vacation. You wouldn't believe it. But I'm back here and like, woohoo. It's like I didn't miss a thing. I mean, like, OK, here's the thing about Justin Verlander, though, is that obvi- so I, I, we've talked before about how you guys um, cannot emotionally 
undertake the the reading of winning fixes everything so i'll just uh, on uh, periodically tell you things i learned from from the good book perfect but i i think i brought this up before like Verlander in Verlander, there's a lot of good reporting on Verlander in that book. Part of it being that Justin Verlander was anti the scheme, as he should be as a pitcher. Like he was aware on some level and was like, I don't feel good about this. Like as a pitcher, this feels this feels bad. Sure. With that said, Justin, there's also a lot of really good reporting. I think I talked about this on the podcast before about how Justin Verlander benefited from what is now considered cheating of his revival as a pitcher is very, very, very much due to the Astros giving him sticky stuff. And ultimately, no matter what Justin Verlander does, I associate him with that core of players who cheated their way to a World Series. And I... That, it bothers me. I still lay some of the blame on him for that, even if he was like, oh, I just think maybe it would be better if we didn't do this. Well, and I also, um, I, I have my unfounded suspicions about Verlander because the the resurrection of his career after mm-hmm. after repeated injury feels awfully convenient. Feels weird, right? Feels weird. I look, you know, like whatever. I'm. I, I know nothing about anything, so I'm not saying he did or didn't do anything specifically for legal reasons. But like, come on now. I'm. I'm supposed to look at that and believe that that's like 100 percent on that's the just up and up. Normal. Like, come on. I completely same agree. Science. Oh, it is. It is completely normal. It's the same medical science that is going to have Aaron Rodgers on the field for the Jets in the playoffs <laughs> after. Um, after they right. don't trade him for Daniel Jones. Right, right. And so here's here's what I'll say about my ex, Max Scherzer. I feel that Max Scherzer did something that in my role as a union representative, I stand, which is he was lied to. He was bamboozled. He was told we're here to win. And then, yes, was he also kind of bad and part of the reason that they did not become the team that we all hoped they would become? Sure. But I find it relatable on an energetic level to be like, you know what? I'm quitting this job. I'm leaving all of you. And guess what? Fuck you. I get it. I get it. And I respect him for that. In the big picture, yes. As uh, somebody who was emotionally invested in the 2023 New York Mets. I'm not there yet. Fair. I mean, fair. So, okay. So let's move to the national league. Now that we're talking about the Mets and the (laughs) national league East, let's just touch on what is perhaps the craziest chart among all of them. And the craziest team left standing in the playoffs. (laughs) Let me just tell you, the big three, and you tell me what team you think this is. Aries Sun, Gemini Moon, Scorpio Rising. Oh, that's, I mean, that's the Phillies, 100%. Oh, no. That's the Arizona Diamondbacks. Really? That's the Arizona goddamn Diamondbacks, baby. That is that so is one of those weird. Charts. That gave me the feeling of, you know, sometimes I meet someone in person and I'm like, wow, there's like something I cannot explain about this person's vibe. And then I do all my 
my investigative reporting and I figure out their time and date of birth and possibly their location <laughs> and I plug it into a chart and I go, oh, <laughs> so it makes sense now. <laughs> So when it popped up that the Diamondbacks have a Gemini moon, I was like, oh, got it. Uh, Yeah. Crazy, crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. I mean, it's insane. Like, Clayton Kershaw's dead. Like, the Dodgers are dead. The Diamondbacks are just like, like, I cannot believe that they are still here. They're just vibing. Like they're just they I at this point, I have relatively neutral feelings about this iteration of the Diamondbacks. It's sort of whatever. Um They're just forgettable to me. I'm like, yeah, you're I, here? You're here? I work for a team in their division, and I don't know that I could name more than five people currently on the Diamondbacks. Real. That's what, that's so real. I've been watching that- their games. <laughs> like I was not watching yesterday at the time of the first home run, but I saw like Pedromo homered. And I was like, which one? Right. I don't know which right. Pedromo they have right now. Right. Uh, well, but okay. I, so I do think that a, a Diamondbacks Phillies NLCS, which we, which we are on the road. That would be the last good thing that could happen. It would be just just a chaos off. Like there is there is not a lawful vibe anywhere in that whole no. scenario. No. Yeah. So here's the Phillies chart. I'll give you Phillies and Braves, and then we can dissect. So the Phillies and the Braves are our two teams that have Taurus sons. They are teams okay. that are late 19th century founding. So they're they're a little bit – the calendar's a bit off for both of them. Um, so they're both Taurus sons, which I think is fascinating actually. Yeah. Um, and then the Phillies have an Aquarius moon. Again, we've established I love an Aquarius moon. Really fun. And a Leo rising. So, I mean, again, grain of salt here. Um, the Braves have a Taurus sun, an Aries moon, and a Leo rising. So it's this fundamental break where the Aries sun makes the Braves crazy and the Aquarius sun makes the Phillies fun. Right. It's it's chaotic crazy versus like aggro crazy. <laughs> or sorry, it's- I think I said Aries sun, a- Aries moon and Aquarius moon. A hundred percent. Yes. It's like, and I mean, of course, I think I might feel differently if the Braves had been dominating the National League East for the last decade. Or, yeah, the Phillies. If the Phillies had been, I might feel like this chart was scarier. But I think this is a fun chart for them. But aren't the Phillies – the Phillies are incapable of that. Like, we've we've seen that when they had the couple of good years helped by the Mets falling their asses apart in in 07-08. Like, they can't sustain it for that reason. They're crazy. Yeah, they're nuts. Honestly. Like, so I, I feel like that, yeah. Yeah. I also think, you know, we've talked about this on that podcast before. It's like, I really like Phillies fans. Like, I think Phillies fans, yeah. I think Phillies fans understand the assignment. And I think that they 
deserve joy. And <laughs> I don't feel that way about Braves fans. Uh, yeah, that's fair. And I think I think as a Mets fan, you can get along with Phillies fans sort of in a way. Maybe it's because it's the, you know, combined hatred of Atlanta above all all the others. Um like we've both we are Lenny Dykstra's teams. Um, <laughs> God, what a perfect way two, to encapsulate it. Yes. Two sides of the same coin. Um, yeah, like I can I can dig that in a way that just like <sighs> they bully the right people. Like the the y- yes, Phillies fans will go after the Mets and stuff, but like they save their most energy for um you know going after the like they they're booing everybody and they are but they are loudest booing um the worst and and i appreciate that about them 100% okay so i know that we don't have that much longer and i feel like we should double back to discuss mm-hmm. formula 1 so I don't mean to cut us off. Let's. I'm, I will open no. all the gates here, but but we. I really would like to get to Oscar Piastri. Oh <laughs> yes, yes. Let's. All right. Let me throw this out here. Uh, how do you think uh, Lando's feeling? Well, as Lando himself mm. has said, shit, bad. <laughs> But they're an interesting pairing. Lando's a Scorpio and Oscar is an Aries, which I would not have guessed for Oscar. It makes all the sense in the world that Lando's a Scorpio. Like, that's just like 100%. Absolutely. Oscar Oscar being an Aries, I think is on first glance, you're like, huh. But I think what we've seen, and Britt, I'm curious, you know, you, you also were like, I'm all in on Oscar Piastri. I think we're seeing the Aries sun in him by like winning a race as a rookie. Right. I think we are. I think we are. And I think the other thing with like, oh, it's surprising that he's an Aries. It's also just that like, he's a, like professional athletes are always going to skew towards a certain set of placements. Psycho placements. Yeah, there's just a there's just a certain vibe that it requires. Um, so I guess we probably shouldn't be that surprised. But yeah, no, I think there's a certain he's got that sort of. I I, I would love to look at the rest of his chart because there is a certain um, just like sneaky, petty, sneaky, funny quality to him that. It's very, like, it's very subtle. He's not going to really be in your face about it, but he will absolutely, like, his reaction when they told him, like, live on air that he had gotten um, dinged for track limits in in qualifying was just, it was so perfect. And then, like, his his tweets sort of mocking Alpine, um when he signed his extension with McLaren a couple oh. weeks ago and like all of that, like it's stress free contract announcement as always. It's yeah. It's just, it's such a fantastic vibe. It's so funny. It's and so he, good. It's so petty, but he remains so likable about it somehow. He's so likable. And I think a lot of it is 
So I got I got like a little obsessed. I went and I after he got pole in the sprint shootout, I immediately went to YouTube and typed in Oscar Piastri F two highlights. I just want I want every, I want everything I can get from this kid. And there was this great highlight of him. So he won the Formula Two. He won F two two years ago, and then he had right. the year off. Which I think is really interesting. Like he's been, he hasn't been driving for a year. And that makes the fact that he has been so good all the more impressive to me. And um, there's this great highlight, I think, of, of one of his, his wins in F2 where they get to the end and, of the race and over the radio, he's like, man, like if I just keep quiet, keep my head down and drive, it, it seems to be working for me. Like I'm, I'm going to stick with that one. And he said something similar after the sprint race of being like, you know, I just, I, I kept my head down, I stayed quiet and I, I drove. And I'm just like, that's, that's the Oscar Piastri source of power is that like he is, you know, it, in like therapy spaces, you'll, you'll hear talking about like internal source sourcing versus external sourcing. Mm-hmm. Oscar feels truly so well therapized in this way where he can totally internally source his needs, his power, his motivation. Whereas Lando, who I love, I love Lando. And it has actually been really sad and hard for me to see how upset he has been lately. But he is clearly so externally sourced. Oh, like, 100%. A man cannot self-soothe. <laughs> I also think there's a certain element with Oscar of like, I think he enjoys sort of the stealthiness of it. Like, I think yeah. he, he thrives to an extent on people not worrying about him and of sort of being like the competition nobody really pays attention to until he's on their ass. Like, I think he loves Does he that. have siblings? What'd you say? Does he have siblings? so. I want to see he has a sister. Yeah, he certainly has an overbearing mother. Yeah. <laughs> his mom is hysterical. I love his mom. <laughs> I thought it was funny that everyone was like, oh my God, standing Nicole Piastri for canceling her morning Pilates class so that she can watch Oscar's race. I was like, I just think it's pretty funny of Nicole Piastri to have planned to sleep through the race to go to Pilates in the first place. Right? <laughs> I get it. I understand. Like, I, I don't know what her deal, but I, and obviously if she wound up watching the race, I was like, maybe she doesn't like to watch the race live. Cause it's maybe dangerous. it's stressful. No, maybe it's scary. Yeah. I get it. I get it. No, as a, as a parent on some level, I would 1000% not want to do that live. <laughs> like, I think I would freak out. I almost feel like, I would rather have it live. Like I think the idea of trying to sleep or trying to distract myself would cause me more anxiety than just being able to see like, is my kid still alive at any given moment? I mean, imagine, and I'll go back to something I want to talk about uh, at the beginning of the show, but then we got all the way to this, but we're, we're back. Imagine being Logan Sargent's parents <laughs> like, as he's like heat stroking to, uh... you know, the point of like he doesn't drink water while he drives. Well, that's very stupid, and yeah, it's I mean, idiotic. it's sometimes hard as a parent to get your own kids to drink water, which is something that 
you wouldn't think is a surprising thing to like remind, have to remind people to perform basic bodily functions. But I guess Logan, you know, proves that even an F1 driver um, needs to be reminded. Um, but still, like, just I felt I, I honestly have gotten to the point of feeling it's not bad for him specifically. It's more that like, oh, he's what would happen if you just put like regular person with above average, you know, driving skills and into into an F1 car. Like they would wreck it after three laps. They would manage to be in a race for a little while and then have heat exhaustion. They would just have every imaginable fuck up. And I think that sometimes it's important. Like I'm, I'm being too mean to say like an average person, but like, I mean, it's important for a replacement level to be represented out there. No, I, I actually completely, I, I completely agree. And I think we kind of talked about this. Sorry if you can hear the sirens outside my window. Um, they're coming for you. It's fine. Yeah, they're coming for me as I talk shit about Logan Sargent. They're like, how dare you talk shit about an American? Well, first right. let me say, we what don't the actually fuck is a kilometer? <laughs> we don't actually hear Logan's radios that often because we don't, I mean, no. half, half the time he's already DNF'd, you know? Um <laughs> But it was so shocking. The radio, uh, you know, I'm so used to hearing all of their like European accents over the radio and whatever. And and it was so shocking to get the cut to the radio of the um, of his his race director, whatever they're called. I'm forgetting. And um, being like, Logan, like, it's okay. Like, you can retire if you don't feel well. And Logan coming over the radio, sounding like he was dying, being like, I got this. Just give me a chance. Like, like, just hear the freak out in an American accent. I was so like, what? It's so disorienting. It is disorienting. And it's a very unique experience because I feel like for us, Formula One, it's similar to when they come to Austin, where it's just like Formula One exists in another reality on some level because it's full of rich European people with like very few exceptions. I mean, uh, his parents are like billionaires. Like he is an extremely rich child. His grandfather is an oil magnate. He will recover from, from the humiliation that he is enduring. And his eventual replacement and, you know, and all of that. He'll be okay. He is a Sagittarius. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I will say um, another great radio that, that challenged me was in the sprint race when George overtook Oscar. And George... <laughs> Over the radio says, "Big move! Come on!" <laughs> it really challenged me. It really challenged me. It really put me in this place of being like, "This is why I fucking hate George Russell." And I had to like take a deep breath and be like, "This is why I love George Russell. What a crazy thing to do! What right. a crazy thing to compliment yourself over the radio." And then there was the incredible moment where they caught to Oscar's radio, and immediately McLaren's like. He's on the softs. Don't worry about it. Keep driving. (laughs) And what do you know? George could not make it to the end. 
Oh man, oh, his freak out at at his own crew over that was like, I need to box. I need to box. But you know, okay, if it's your call. If I don't, um, they're like George. Gonna, what what are you talking about? Left. They're like, there's three laps left. Yeah. Okay, I know Brett has to bounce, but we we should touch on the other really beautiful moment when. Okay, so I looked up how old Oscar Piastri was before I said what I'm about to say next. Um, Oscar Piastri had the first moment where I was like, is he sexy? <laughs> and it was when he laid down on the ground yeah. after the race. It was a little bit of a mood. It was a little bit of a mood. And then there's this incredible video where it's Oscar, Lando, and Max debriefing the race on the Max Verstappen podcast in the cool down room. <laughs> right. And um, they start talking about how the Mercedes took each other out at the start. And Oscar's fully laying on the ground and he like lifts his head up to go, wait, like the Mercedes took each other out. And Lando's like, yeah. And he goes, ah, and lays his head back and goes, thank you, Mercedes. <laughs> I was like, he's Mercedes. one of us. I'm, I'm so all in on him. He's a fine delight. Love him. And we have to be, right? Because let's just all address the fact that Carlos Sainz didn't even start the damn race. Charles, <laughs> like, never, like, it was as if he wasn't there. Right. Like, it, was, it is, it is a, like, where is Ferrari? I don't even know. We don't even have time for that conversation. But to have Oscar to root for at this time, it's, it's so fun. I it's love delightful. him. He's a delight. Well, we will have. It's a, it's delightful. We'll have and, that conversation. Yeah, and we get the Daniel Ricardo in Austin, Texas experience, which is truly, truly one of my favorite things. Yeehaw! Yeehaw, indeed. Vroom, <laughs> vroom, yeehaw! Is, um, <laughs> that is next week. Um, this week, in the absence of, of F1, um, although it's Saturday, um, I was looking at the college football schedule, as as I am wont to do, Um and I will say this. I, I will call up the schedule uh, right now before we get out of here. Um, so at noon, your big noon Saturday, Eastern time, it's uh, Georgia Vanderbilt, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio State, Purdue, and Syracuse, Florida State. Those are the top four teams in the country. They are playing games that you should not even bother watching <laughs> until the very last drive if they are somehow close, which they will not be. Yep. Uh, Saturday afternoon or early morning if you're out west uh go do something else and watch the much better football that is uh that is on uh later in the day in the form of uh oregon washington or the night games are also really good with usc notre dame and um miami unc we'll see if miami takes a knee if they uh, <laughs> are winning at the end of the game maybe oh i hope Can't not open that can of worms. i hope not i hope they never learn Addie, I cannot wait until we uh, successfully rope you into following that absolutely fucking bonkers insane sport. Um, my boyfriend is a Miami fan, so I I, I, I got enough of oh, that. God. I got enough of that. <laughs> You're I'm like, there you go. I don't go. need more. Right. I don't need more. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Love you. Bye. <laughs>